and welcome to Counterpunch Radio. My name is Eric Dreitzer. Thanks so much for tuning in, for coming back. First time listeners finding the show. Very grateful to have you on board. Very important show today. I'm just going to uh, dispense with the introductions that I normally do and jump right into it because I think that the issues that we're going to discuss here are of the utmost importance. I'm sure that most of you have been following the endless sagas of the daily news cycle and many of which revolving around issues related to the election of 2016. Russia, Trump, Mueller, the special investigation, all of these things are, of course, in the headlines every day. And today I have the very good fortune of speaking about, well, unfortunately, one story that has not gotten the coverage that it deserves. And uh, hopefully we'll learn a bit more about it. And, um, well, let's just jump right into it. We're talking about the reality winner case. And I'm very fortunate to be able to have reality's mother on the show today. Billy Winner Davis is here. Uh, She's been as vocal as can be on on the subject of her daughter and uh, the treatment that she's gotten and trying to publicize this story. So very happy to have her on the program here today. Billy, welcome to Counterpunch Radio. Uh, Thank you, Eric. Thank you so much for having me on. And, you know, thank you for the for the good work that, of course, you're doing and uh, trying to publicize this story, which, well, we'll get into some of the reasons why it's not getting the publicity it deserves. But um, before we get into all of that, I'm, I do think it's important that we get some of the background here for those who maybe only know the basic contours of this story. Tell us a little bit about uh, Reality Winner, your daughter. Uh, who is she and uh, how did we get to this point where she... She was the subject of, well, a miscarriage of justice, I would say. Okay. Uh, My daughter, Reality Lee Winner, is a 27-year-old U.S. Air Force veteran. Um, After her six-year term in the Air Force, she was hired on as an NSA contract worker at Fort Gordon in Augusta, Georgia. Reality was arrested on June 3rd, 2017, She was charged under the Espionage Act. She was charged with the charge of um, unlawfully um, handling, I guess, handling classified information and disseminating national national defense um, information. And that is under the Espionage Act. Um, Reality has been in jail. Since June 3rd, 2017, she was held at a county jail there in Georgia, um, awaiting pretrial measures, and because they denied her bail three times, um, they said that she was a danger, they said that she possibly had more information that she was withholding, uh, they said that, you know, her military training, they, they held every single thing against her, even though you know, at that point, we had a 25-year-old girl who had just been commended by the U.S. Air Force, who has never had, um, you know, any kind of criminal history at all, but they denied her bail. Um, and basically, throughout all of the pretrial um, dealings in the federal court in Georgia, the judge uh, ruled against her and her team uh, time after time after time to to a point where they didn't have a defense. Um, They even denied subpoenas. Her team tried to issue a number of subpoenas and the court denied all but one. And so basically it got to the point where you had reality sitting in jail with, um, you know, no hope of winning this case. And the government really, they, 
they were pretty strong on they wanted to put her away for 10 years on this one count. And so in July, reality changed her plea to not guilty. She pled guilty to the one count against her. And in August, she was sentenced by the federal court, and she actually received the longest ever prison sentence for a charge under this, um, this statute for an American citizen. Um, Reality was sentenced to 63 months in prison. After her prison term is up, she has to serve a three-year a three year supervised release um, program and uh, abide by all of the conditions. And of course, then she has a lifetime of conditions and restrictions and um, you know loss of rights uh, with regard to her felony conviction. So reality at this point, she's already spent two of her birthdays in prison or in jail. She is currently at a federal facility in Fort Worth, Texas, where she has been since October 2nd. Um, and we, we do, we try to keep her name out there. I have been out there on social media. I've done interviews with, you know, any kind of, any kind of outlet that I can possibly, um, get their attention and, and get interest um, to try to keep her name out there because her case really is. It's um, it's historical in the way that she's been treated. Um, even when you look at, when you compare her to any other espionage type case in the United States, um, she has been treated far harshly than any other person in our country. Yeah, you know, what's fascinating about this case and her story is that as you're kind of alluding to or maybe implying that it does seem, at least from an outside perspective, that this was not simply a trial based on, uh, you know, the the accusations, the evidence and so forth, that this was in, in many ways a public relations opportunity for the Trump administration to make an example of somebody, to make an example of a leaker as uh, Trump has talked repeatedly about, you know, this crusade against leakers and so forth, certainly. Certainly, we've seen recent examples of others who have leaked vital information. Edward Snowden is, of course, the high-profile example, but there are others. And uh, reality has, has, in some senses, been kind of made an example of, hasn't she? Yes, yeah, she absolutely has. And in fact, you know, I like to thank you for bringing up the point that, you know, Trump has really gone strong against leakers. Um, he basically, you know, was, was telling Comey when Comey was still with the FBI to catch the leakers. And if you recall in Comey's memos, Comey stated, I, I will catch one and I will nail that one to the door as an example to others. And then shortly after that, that's when reality was arrested. And then you had Jeff Sessions on TV, you know, saying, oh, we have a really good one in Georgia. And he was referring to reality. Reality was the very first leaker that was arrested under Trump. And we see that she has been uh, treated so differently and, and so severely compared to any other ones, even ones after her. And in fact, um, you know, at the sentencing hearing, the sentencing memo that the prosecution um, filed with the court, you know, indicated that they needed to make sure that reality sent was harsh enough to serve as a deterrent for any others. And uh, the U.S. attorney um, gave a press release right after the sentencing hearing and basically said the same thing, you know, again, that yes, reality sentence had to serve as a deterrent for anyone else who was thinking about doing this. 
One thing about that that's particularly galling is not simply the you know the the fact that she was made an example of. I guess in some twisted sense that there, there's a logic to that, uh, unjust though it may be. But the fact of the matter is that the context within which reality's case falls, namely exposing information about potential foreign interference in the 2016 election. I mean, this is this is literally the story that is dominating every single news cycle for the last two years. It is in every headline, every aspect of this story. Almost feels like every day we have some new uh, perspective, some new uh, revelations about this. And so the fact that reality has been sentenced to prison rather than sort of lauded as a hero for bringing all of this out into the open does raise some very important questions, doesn't it? Right, it sure does. Um, yes, you're right. I mean, you bring back to the document that Reality released, the document that she leaked. The document that she leaked was the actual proof that the Russians had attempted to hack into our voting software in at least 21 states. And you would think that a leak of that type wouldn't you know, bring the charge of espionage upon someone. You know, how can she be treated as a spy or a traitor when she was basically you know, releasing information that we were under attack from a foreign agency, you know, from foreigners. Um, she wasn't, you know, colluding with anyone. She wasn't conspiring with anyone. She did this anonymously. She wasn't selling information. But yet the government used the Espionage Act against her. And they did that because it's, um, it's something that they have found very useful in keeping a case quiet. Whenever they, they use the Espionage against the Espionage Act against a citizen, they basically get to withhold any information that they deem classified or sensitive from a jury, which basically, um, when you think about it, had reality gone to trial, the jurors would not have ever seen the actual document that reality had leaked. So they would not have known that her leak was in our national interest. Her leak was something to warn us. The jury would have never gotten that information. All they would have gotten from the prosecution was that this was a grave danger to our national defense. This was a grave danger to our country um, and that it was classified material. They would not have known exactly what it was that reality winner leaked. You know, and I, I think it's important to note at this point because <laughs> because I know of the debates that I've had with people, including others on, on, on the left of the political spectrum as I am, about the, you know, importance or non-importance of uh, Russia's, you know, what Russia may or may not have done and so forth. I think that that's somewhat immaterial in this case because ultimately whether you believe that Russia was deeply and intimately involved in meddling or just kind of on the, you know, on the fringes or whatever you think about that issue itself, the fact that reality brought this information out is, in in a sense, an incredibly courageous act, an incredibly selfless one, and obviously one that she is, well, that she, she is living with the consequences of, irrespective of what you think about the political context. That's right. That's, I mean, that's right. And I, don't, I know that, you know, in reading the statements that she made to the FBI in the, at the time of her interrogation and things. I know that, you know, according to her, she didn't think about the consequences. It was just what was happening at the time um, and everything that, that I have, um, you know, read and heard um, the transcript with regard to her FBI interrogation. 
you know, basically she was trapped in a world where she was going to work every day at the NSA and she was hearing the news come across and the news was conflicting with the proof that was right on her computer screen. And, and when you imagine how frustrating that has to be day after day, and like she said, why can't this information be out there? You know, why aren't the American people, you know, able to see this information? Well, and, and one thing that's, you know, interesting about it is that we don't, we, we, we still don't exactly know what it is that, what it is that she, uh, you know, saw and what, and specifically why it was, you know, something that had to be leaked. I mean, ultimately, we're talking about very, very important information about one of the, probably one of the biggest stories of the last few decades. And the fact that she was forced to leak it in the way that she was tells you something, I think, about the institutional obstacles, roadblocks, and, you know, dare I say, suppression of information that must have been going on that she felt compelled to do it in the way that she did it. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, to to read the, the documents, the court documents, um, she was caught in a world where there was no, more, no one that she could go to. Um, and there was no way that she could um, have handled this differently. She wanted this information out there and she took it upon herself to to send it, you know, to send it to the the, the news outlet. Now, tell us a little bit about reality uh, as a person in terms of how she how she thinks about, you know, things like uh, duty and ethics and ethical behavior, because it seems that, uh, as you said earlier, that she didn't she didn't really take into consideration, you know, anything other than just trying to get the information out there. I mean, I have to tell you, if I was in her situation, I certainly would have been thinking about consequences. I certainly would have been thinking about the danger to myself, my family, etc. So give us a little bit of insight into what kind of a person we're talking about here. Um, as I said, uh, reality was 25 when she was arrested. And reality has always been uh, an extremely compassionate person who who gives of herself. She's very selfless. Um, she, you know, um, she joined the Air Force right out of high school. Um, she wanted to serve. She did serve. What she wanted to do after the Air Force was she actually wanted to go across to the Middle East and to serve over there, but she couldn't um, quite get a contract that would enable her to do that. And so she took the only contract job that was available to, available to her at that time, hoping that at some point she would be able to to go over to the Middle East to, to serve um, over there as a help. Um, in the Air Force, she did work the drone program. She was a cryptolinguist. She speaks Pashto, Dari, and Farsi. And so she, um, you know, she did see, she did see war. You know, you can say what you want about, you know, the, the Air Force um, people who, who are the linguists and the analysts, but she was one of them that actually witnessed war during her, her 12-hour shifts. Um, she gives up herself. Uh, she's extremely bright. She's very passionate about things, and um, she's very athletic. She teaches yoga. She teaches spinning. Uh, at the time of her arrest, she was training for her very first um, weightlifting competition. She does CrossFit. Um, she was fostering a dog. She has always volunteered in every community that she's ever lived, and 
She she just really is somebody who has always um, gone out of her way to make the world a better place. Now, I, I know I'm, I'm sort of asking you to speculate here, but I, I think it's important to consider... Well, let me put it this way. I'd like to get your opinion as to why you think this story is not getting the attention it deserves. I mean, especially when you think about, you know, those, uh, you know, media outlets that are openly and and, and quite overtly, you know, hostile to Trump and covering every aspect of Russiagate. I have seen almost no coverage. I mean, just little snippets here and there and places like MSNBC and elsewhere, which, you know, is an incredible shame and, and, and quite an embarrassment as far as I'm concerned for all of those outlets. But I'm just curious what your take is, why you think it's so hard to get coverage of this particular person and this particular aspect of the story. Struggled with this entire time. Like you say, MSNBC, you've got, you know, these shows that are devoted specifically to the whole Russia investigation. Um, you know, while they mentioned Reality's name upon her arrest, you know, they, they could at least come and circle back and just keep her still in the focus because, I mean, she's very much the start of this, this story. You know, and, and when the Intelligence Committee actually used the actual document leaked by Reality Winner in their findings, you know, you would have thought again that she would have had some mention, you know, that, hey, this is, you know, the Intel report that was leaked by NSA contractor Reality Winner. I, I don't understand why the news doesn't keep her story and her name out there. They definitely know it. I mean, they know it, um, but they just don't. And I'm not sure why that is. Um, there's a part of me that, that feels like, you know, because today we are bombarded every single day with just chaos. We, we quickly forget what happened yesterday, you know, because today it'll bring another mountain load of, of chaos and news. And so that's the way that the world that we're living in right now. But it has been terribly frustrating for me and for the very few people who have been working alongside of me from day one to make sure that we keep reality's name and story out there. It's just been so frustrating to try to um, you know, to dangle carrots in front of them, to, to continue to remind them. And, um, you know, it, it's sad that we just don't, we just don't get that kind of coverage. I think one of the things that at least occurs to me in, in thinking about that question is sort of this institutional uh, struggle that's happening here during this Trump administration because you have factions within, you know, various aspects of, you know, the Pentagon and the CIA and the FBI and all of these different institutions, factional infighting, many of which are, you know, opposing the president, some of which are kind of, I guess, on his side and so forth. And reality's case kind of cuts across all of those. And in some sense, it, 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 it almost calls into question both sides of this narrative. And I think that in in one sense, um, to put a light on reality's case and to, you know, put it under the magnifying glass is in some senses an indictment of both sides of this story. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to get it into the news. Right. Yeah, that definitely could be one of the reasons. Um, Another one also is I I do realize that um, her being charged under the Espionage Act um, as Jessalyn Radek will, will tell you, it makes you toxic. Nobody wants to run to the side of the person who's being called a traitor. 
And, you know, there's, there's also groups who don't see reality as a whistleblower. And so we've had to really, you know, try to work to get the support of those, you know, the people who, who go with the whistleblowers. And so maybe the news media just feels like she's um, somebody that they don't want to put too much time or credit into. I, I don't know. I really don't know. So tell us a little bit about uh, the campaign to not only bring uh, this story to attention, but ultimately to try to free Reality Winner. I mean, what are some of the things that uh, you guys are, are doing? How are you trying to build any coalitions, any grassroots support? What, what have you been doing in these last uh, you know, months and I guess 18 months or so to try to build a movement? Okay. Well, we, we do have a campaign out there. It's standwithreality.org. Uh, and um, right now the campaign is, is pretty dormant. Um, we did have a very strong sponsor that started this up for us, Courage to Resist. But um, they had to kind of let us go on their, their own, go on our own. And so right now we're trying to rebuild the campaign. We're trying to get some people interested in volunteering to do things like newsletters, press releases, things like that, fundraising, so that we have, um, you know, some some things to use as far as um, getting her picture and her name out there. And then there's also um, a small band of very devoted supporters who are out there on social media every single day, on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but there was just a play that was performed in New York City um, by a company called Half Straddle, and they did a play based on the um, transcript of Reality's interrogation by the FBI agents at her home. And it was extremely powerful. And that has, again, picked up um, some, you know, interest in her story and definitely interest in the play. Because from what I hear is they're looking at expanding the play now because of um, the popularity and the reviews that they they did get. And so um, I'm looking forward to that as well. We do also have, you know, other groups that, that are behind us. This last week, Reality actually received an award from Blueprint for Free Speech. And um, that was an amazing thing for her to, to be given. And, um, you know, we, we've got um, some other groups out there that, that really um, want to, to start things. We have a petition out there right now. So if you go to the website, the petition's the first thing that you will see. We're also looking at the possibility of doing some other things around petitioning or uh, meeting with our congressmen and women to um, ask for a review of her case. Because definitely from this point forward, we definitely want to look at um, asking for a commutation of her sentence and and then, of course, down the road, um, a full pardon or restoration of rights of some some kind. I think it's important to note that it's downright shameful that certain uh, high-profile individuals who should be rallying to uh, reality's support and to, to her side are are not. People like Julian Assange and WikiLeaks and others who, in theory, really should be on the forefront of all of this, but because of their hostility to the Russia story and potentially also being implicated in it, because of all of the political circumstances of this, uh, reality's been kind of hung out to dry, and I think that that is not just... Uh, 
you know, tragic. I think it's 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 really an embarrassment um, for for much of the left, frankly. Uh, many people that I know who are deeply hostile to the Russia story, to to even examining all of this, have basically uh, condemned reality down the memory hole. And I think, uh, frankly, that's uh, it's it's utterly shameful and deeply embarrassing. Yes, it, it is. Um, Julian Assange was asked by a reporter uh, early on in her case what he thought. He de- he said he supported her, um, but of course there hasn't been anything, um, you know, from him. I do understand he has his own battles. Um, Snowden this last uh, week, actually on Friday, there was a conference and he actually gave a whole uh, a pretty good talk, and most of it had to do with Reality Winner and her case. And so he does support her and he does talk about her. Um, So I'm grateful for that because then it brings in, you know, you've got a lot of groups that follow him that may not have ever heard of Reality Winner and it maybe brings them in. Um, You know, uh, Thomas Drake has spoken out in um, defense of Reality Winner. He actually attended her uh, candlelight vigil that we held in Georgia on the one year anniversary of her arrest which was great. John Kiriako, Jessalyn Raddick, those are some big names in whistleblower, in the whistleblower community. And they are also in support of Reality Winner, which I'm very grateful for. Um, so tell us, uh, just in closing here, um, what can what can we do? I mean, people who are listening to this conversation, people who feel, uh, hopefully as I do, how unjust all of this is and how badly she's been mistreated and victimized by, I think, not only institutions, uh, but also by circumstances and, you know, just, just timing and all of that. What, what can we do to help build this movement, to help you and those that you're working with uh, to, to try to put whatever pressure we can on the powers that be? Um, Basically, what we ask is that you write to your representatives. Um, You can also go on the website and you can sign up to volunteer. Basically, you just fill out a form and and what we're looking for is people who have different skill sets, you know, and anybody who wants to help out. Um, Follow us on Twitter and, and retweet us and get your, you know, your followers to follow and retweet. Um, We just need to build the momentum. Absolutely. And uh, if you want to follow Billy on Twitter, it's at BJ Winner Davis, uh, very uh, active Twitter account. And of course, if you're if you're not on Twitter, just tell us again, the website and um, any other, uh, you know, any other information that you would like listeners to have. All right. Well, the website is standwithreality.org. There's also several Facebook pages for those who are into Facebook. There's Friends of Reality Winner, and that's a closed group, but you can ask permission to join. And then there's a Stand With Reality or a Friends of Reality Winner Facebook page that you can also follow on Facebook. And um, there's another Twitter account. It's at Standby Reality Winner. Um, that can be followed as well. And... Um, you know, please just uh, keep her name out there because I think what's happened to her has happened because not enough people have heard the story, not enough people know her name, and therefore she is being treated the most harshly. And and they only got away with that because we could not get uh, public interest in her story. 
Well, um, just in closing, uh, I just want to ask that if when you get a chance to just convey to your daughter that there are many of us who do follow the case, who are trying to uh, speak on her behalf and to, to, to grow support and that she knows that she's not entirely alone, despite the fact that much of the establishment media has abandoned her. Oh, I really appreciate that. And I will let her know that as well. And if you want to write to reality, the address to write to her is also on the standwithreality.org webpage. That's great. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Billy, for coming on the show today and for all of the, the work that you're doing. And, and I know, obviously, the times are quite difficult for you and for your family and so forth. But, um, you know, I, I don't know what else to say other than, you know, be strong and keep doing what you're doing. And uh, hopefully this is going to come to a, uh, a good and uh, speedy conclusion. Well, I thank you so much. That, that means a lot. And thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming on, listeners. Thank you, as always, for listening in. Kind of a special episode here this week, but I felt it was really important to talk about Reality's case and to keep this, uh, you know, in the in the headlines, as it were, at least with, within Counterpunch and within our little corner of the Internet. So thanks again for listening, and I will chat with you all again real soon. <laughs>